The Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it's my great pleasure to travel to the gentle moraine wine hills of Lake Garda, to Soma Campania, just to the west of Verona, to meet my guest, Silvia Bonomo, to learn the story of her family winery, Monte del Fra. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you so much for being my guest. How are you today? Hi, everybody. I'm fine. I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> Is it a lovely day in the wine hills where you are? Fresh wind today. So I think winter just started very late in this year. Well, I think those winds have come from England. We've had some terrible storms from the last two <laughs> days. And I know that storm has been moving probably in your direction. It's a beautiful day here now, but it is quite wintry. Yeah, probably. I guess you're all able to relax a little bit now that the grapes mm-hmm. are safely in, yeah. the harvest complete. It's been a challenging year, hasn't it? It has been, yes. Not easy. The weather has been uh, unpredictable as it is coming in the last years. And, and this summer, it, it has been difficult for some wine regions in the north of Italy. Yes, yes. We've heard of um, lots of problems with downy mildew, with hail, with nature throwing a lot of difficulties. So I'm sure it's a relief now to have the grapes in the cellar and uh, the wines being made. Sylvia, Monte del Fra is an historic wine estate. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the estate and also the story of your family in this beautiful spot. Of course. So this is actually a winery um, that is uh, settled, as you say, in in the province of Verona. And uh, uh, when we started here, it was 1958. When we arrived, uh, we arrived in a court where several families were living and my grandfather rented a few rooms to start his agricultural job. So um, he started with a few cows and peach and kiwis. Uh, um, every every farmer starts with a little bit, you know, and that's that's the way we started. Um, we are settled on the on the feet at the feet of a gentle hill that is called actually Monte Monte del Fra. Um, has a very has a much older origin because here we have documents explaining in 1492 there were a monastery and the story of these friars is explained also in the document as the friars were exchanging the goods with a farmer nearby um, so it's very interesting story and we didn't want to forget it and so that's why we gave this name to our cellar because Monte actually Everybody thinks to mountain when they hear the word monte. Actually, here is a is a hill 
But in the past, for the, all the farmers, was appearing like Monte. And so that's Monte of the Friars, Monte del Fra. That's wants to remind all this history. Actually, we don't have physical rests nowadays of this monastery, but we have a hill top where there stays a cross, a big cross. That was a gift in the 17th century from a community of prayers uh, nearby to this uh, community. And so that's the only symbolic uh, thing that we have all our history that still is physical presence over here and protect us. So we always uh, say that it protects us, our job and our uh, vineyards. It protects everything. Uh, and God check on us. <laughs> let's let's what okay. to say. And and Sylvia, I guess the monks then, uh, as everywhere in Italy, would have been uh, growing grapes and making wine from these same vineyards that your family are now making wines from. We guess so. We don't have uh, actually anything written about this, but uh, many times the people comes here to visit us. They ask me why your wines uh, have so many grapes inside. Why there is blend? Because when people travel, they are used to hear single varieties like Chardonnay, Pinot. They don't know a lot about uh, blended wines. And over here, we have a lot of varieties. And I always explain that where there is a monk history, there are several cultivations usually. So uh, we really think that the fact that here, when started the appellation of Custosa, um, they put in so many varieties uh, into that, um, is because this was already existing. And, and they might have been cultivated then. And so that's the reason. There are so many varieties here. Oh, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, Sylvia, uh, so your your grandfather, was it your grandfather who came in 1958 and started from very simple beginnings in renting the rooms, doing mixed agriculture, so specialized agriculture, monoculture, as we see now when we go around wine areas, uh, really wasn't in place yet. It was a very different countryside. It would have looked very different and agricultural life was not specialized exactly yes it was like that and uh, the vineyards in that moment was like a hobby for us when it started we we were doing wine still as you imagine in the past pressing the grapes with the feet <laughs> and and the wine was made for a restaurant nearby and my uncle says in 1958 uh, Sylvia we had no money to buy the bottle glasses so we asked it to return to the restaurant back to us when they finished drinking because we could not afford to buy others so yeah the landscape was very different it changed pretty much uh, thanks to the canals the irrigation system that is provided here and also uh, thanks to probably a long view that my family was able to have and and uh, to predict what was the good future for this country, you know, for this area. And so they started focusing more and more on grapes. At that time, uh, um, my uncle was more focused on peach. He was, uh, he was also mentioned and as a big uh, uh, master of uh, peach cultivations because our peaches were famous to be so big and so good. So tasty. And my father in that moment was working for an editor, printing books by night. Oh. And when he was 30 years old, he says, well, 
I'm going to I'm going to stay in the agriculture with all my family. So the time that it was working in agri- in um, in industry, it could earn a lot of money enough to build this house and invest in in vineyards that that moment was not so expensive and and he he had the view simply he he had the vision say we have to focus on this it will be the future and he was right because now nowadays you can see everybody loves the wines everybody would love to have a vineyard <laughs> the vineyard the world now and the wine world is is considered prestigious and people really as an inspiration of this. Well, that's that's a beautiful story, Sylvia. And it's also a reminder, a reminder to our listeners, a reminder to uh, all of us that the story of Italian wine is one that's really evolving and quite new, that just a few generations ago, wines that we now enjoy, you know, they're not, they weren't so well available. They weren't always in bottle. And now uh, the story has evolved in a really beautiful way. The The family winery now, you have vineyards in Custoza, which you've mentioned and we'll talk about in a minute, but you also have vineyards in all of the classic zones of Lake Garda and Verona, including Lugana, Bardolino, Valpolicella, and Suave. So it's a it's an impressive range and out of those very simple, humble beginnings, you the family mm. now has a, a large and extensive estate uh, which which also produces wines that win many awards. But I'd like to talk first of all about Custoza. You mentioned Custoza. You're in the heart of the Custoza dock, but it's not a wine that's so well known abroad, perhaps. But I know it's extremely popular in Verona. I know that when many people go into a bar in Verona, they'll simply ask for a Custoza. Tell us about Custoza. Custoza is uh, one of the first uh, appellations of Italy because uh, the law of appellations of Italy started in the end of the 60s. And we are here starting in 1971. It is a white wine recognized as to be um, easy drinking wine, very expressive and with uh, also a touch of very good minerality because of the soil. The characteristic of the soils that surround Lake Garda are very specific because we are on a glacial origin area. So over here, basically... The soils are very poor, a lot of stones. At the same time, uh, you know, we had the ocean here in the past. So when the ocean dries, it left a lot of minerals, a lot of richness deep in the soil. And and our wines, depending from the altitude, um, you can have very daily easy drinking wines or full body and and also wines that can stay long in time. It's an incredible adaptable wine, Custosa. It's adaptable due to the fact that it has uh, several grapes. The main ones are three. Um, you have Carganega, Trebian Toscano, and Cortese. These ones are fundamental to make uh, the denomination. More than this, you can use another four that are allowed from the disciplinary and very important is the Incrocio Manzoni, and then you have Tokai, Riesling, and Chardonnay. The Incrocio Manzoni is a grape variety that is extraordinary and made change really the history of this wine because it's able to bring your wine from one, two years' life to 10, 15 years' life. And unfortunately, we just discovered this variety 10 years ago in the area, so it could have been introduced 
because it was already planted here. Uh, but uh, it has it has been changing so much the history of this wine, and that would be also the reason might be the reason that this wine is now uh, spreading all over and is really appreciated all over the world and recognized as one of the best wines of Italy. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Well, I actually had a chance to taste your Cadel Magro at, uh, at Opera Wine this year, and I was really, really impressed. As you say, it's it's not a simple white wine. It's a complex, concentrated wine that does have this acidity and this um minerality that as you say when in tasting it even young you think well this is a wine that will be even better if you just tuck it away and leave it for a few years or even several years yeah yeah Cadet Magro is actually very special and is uh, the wine that I would say represents our family all over the world there is now the winery is working in 65 countries and I have to say there is no country that doesn't want to buy Cadet Magro because uh, uh, it's an extraordinary complex and uh, adaptable white wine that fits for a lot of meal a lot of varieties on, of food um, and it is a wine that uh, is really a challenge for us because uh, when people drink it, doesn't know that this wine comes from such a poor soil. My father is the, has been the winemaker till two years ago, and he says, Sylvia, nothing than vineyards can grow up in that soil. It's so poor uh, that only vineyards are able to go so deep with their roof to survive. That only only that can be there, and the vineyards are old, but they are forty, fifty years old. And this landscape uh, with the with a special sun position makes uh, this wine so so great. It's not this wine. The greatness of Cadamagro is not because we do so much in the cellar, but really is given by the job of the plants of the vineyards. Okay, well that's a really good description, and also. Uh, emphasizing, as you said as well, the different varieties, and especially this Incrocio Manzoni, which is a fascinating variety, I think developed in Conigliano in the early 1900s. And I've tasted some wines made with Incrocio Manzoni, and it does bring a lot to you wines when it's used in a blend. Let's talk about a couple of more of your wines before we move on to wine hospitality. I'm thinking perhaps of your Bonomo Soma Campagna Bardolino, which is proudly bearing your family name. Tell us why this wine is special. Buonomo Soma Campagna is a denomination very, very young. It started in 2020 because the consortium wanted to give value to the forest destinations of the Bardolino. Actually, we are not in the superior area. We are in the DOC and we could not afford to make, uh, we could not make superior denomination here. So they say you can make your own denomination, Soma Campagna. And the idea was to, to give richness to this Bardolino that many times is considered that easy drinking summer red wine. You use that for barbecues, you use that for uh, fish meals or meat meals, but anyway, it's considered something easy. 
and we wanted to to give uh, space also to and voice to to Bardolino because Bardolino can be a big wine even if it comes from light soils. That's the same story, a little bit like Cavemagro. So basically, Bardolino is Soma Campagna is uh, Corvina, Rondinella, and Molinara grapes that are coming from a, a little bit of altitude where it's not that much over here. When we speak about altitude, it's not uh, Valpolicella. <laughs> we are in the maximum 200 meters. Uh, but this soil where it comes from is very rich. Actually, it holds a, lo- a little bit of argilla. And uh, it spends some time in oak barrels, in French oak. It's interesting because you have this uh, still spicy and fresh fruity nose. But at the same time, you have uh, um, body and uh, this uh, vanilla and uh, dry fruit touch that you get on the palate. A palate is very, very interesting combination with the freshness. So personally, is a wine that still I consider fresh, but I would get a stick or something a little bit more important because I can... I can feel that there is body and richness in it. Now, that's really interesting because, as you say, Bardolino, we think of as that lighter style, same same uvaggio, same blend of grapes or similar to Valpolicella, but generally lighter. But I guess you're on this southern flank of Lake Garda as well at Soma Campania, and you're getting this richer style of Bardolino. That's interesting too, the subzone now, the Soma Campania Bardolino dock. I wasn't aware that that had come into place. So that's interesting that, again, it's a way to distinguish wines for visitors to the area. One more wine uh, let's talk about. What about one of your Pasito wines, Silvia? Mm, the Pasito, it's an interesting story. Um, the dessert wines are, uh, they say, the oldest wines existing in Italy. And it's something that uh, nowadays not every winemaker focuses because, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty expensive to produce nowadays uh, dessert wines for a winery. It's always a limited edition wines because, um, well, I think that uh, there is a, um, less usage of this wine. There is less knowledge. And the fact of many diets with the sugar uh, restrictions uh, are confusing people about what is really calories or if it's good or if it's bad a uh, glass of dessert wine but uh, the family produced a pasito called monastery monastero to remind again the history of the monte de fra and uh, it is a wine that is not produced every year because we want to focus just on the best vintages uh, is made again with the Custosa varieties. So we have again Garganega, Trebian Toscano, Cortese, and Chan Chardonnay. And it is a wine that has uh, one year in oak barrels after uh, the grapes are drying till April. Um, it is a rich uh, wine, but as the Monte de Fra style, uh, we don't like to make the wines, uh, let's say, boring in the drinkability because we love to work really on the easy drinking way. And so it's still dessert wine, but fresh. You catch good acidity when you drink it, 
um, it's like uh, I would say a lot of citrus aromas and uh, a lot of dry fruit also you catch the peach the apricot but even the citrus fresh aromas and it holds sweetness but it's not the kind of sweet dessert wine that you just drink you know a little bit and you say okay thank you I've tasted it's I think it's a kind of wine that if you are into a dinner or a Christmas celebration and you have a cake or an ice cream in front of you you can drink the old glass for sure and maybe if you're if you like so much you can have also the second you <laughs> So, oh, you've, you've yeah. made me want to taste that, Sylvia. That sounds exquisite, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I love I like that balance between uh, the richness, uh, but also that acidity, keeping it fresh so it never is overly sweet. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, let's turn to wine hospitality at Monte del Fra. You offer a wide range of wine hospitality experiences, and wine and culture is very important to to your identity, wine and art, and also wine and food. So let's just talk a little bit about, about this at Monte del Fra. The hospitality is something we started developing in 2008. When we started, uh, um, I was just finishing my master uh, in events organizing and there was a lack of, of this in the cellar and so I say okay we need to make more because people now we are visible all around the world people wants to visit us and we need to provide the right space we need to provide the right welcome so let's let's set something deeper let's let's do it better and so um, I started focusing on regular regular experiences like, you know, classic tastings uh, uh, where you provide uh, some tanieres, some cold cuts and, uh, and some uh, and four wines or two, three wines. And then I saw that, um, you know, we are well known for being innovative, but also traditional. This is something, this is a philosophy we we follows all all the winery in every sector. I would say my father loves technology, but he says if technology can support us without touching, without changing the products, we have to use it because it helps people, it helps us. At the same time, also in the innovation of the products that we do, it's a constant, constant research. Every month we do a, a blind tasting in the family. Uh, with international products also to see how innovative, how good, how competitive is our wine. And the same for me is in hospitality. So over here is a, a collection of the world experiences that uh, provides to make the custodza and the winery experience the best. So I like to have traditional experiences, but also to have something innovative. Every year there is something new because i think that uh, you must do a new step every year to be uh, different to be original but uh, to preserve your um your soul with the traditional ones so uh, the traditional always stays and uh, i like to change and give more to tourists that wants to see the wine in a futuristic way. Give us some examples, Sylvia, of how you do that. Yeah, uh, like for example, we do a blind tasting. Uh, the blind tasting experience is something that I could put in place because uh, basically we do it monthly with journalists, with experts, and uh, 
that for me, after years doing that, it was coming easy. So people can choose between a six white wines or a six red wines experience. Um, and uh, the fact that they can taste the regional wines made all by the family, but learn through the tasting. So bring back home a background and learn how to taste the territory, how to recognize if a wine has been wood or not, how to recognize uh, if uh, uh, a wine can be um, can can be uh, can can be with meat or can be with fish. So the food pairings also are stimulated during this tasting. Uh, and and this is very interesting because many times, for example, people come here and they have an idea of wine, and I ask, "What's your favorite wine?" and and they say, "Amarone." They say, "So you drink Amarone every day?" And they say, "Oh no, of course not." So I said, "Your favorite wine? It should be what you drink every day because you want, you can't miss of it on your table." And so tasting this wine, sometimes they discover that they like more repasso than a. Marone, or maybe they like more a Costosa than Lugana, you know. And uh, I, I think this is uh, interesting because people can interact, they have fun, and they learn. And this is what I focus on every tasting. It's very important. Even on the traditional one, people can learn. Yes, I think having fun and learning is the, the real key to enjoyable wine hospitality experiences. Now, going back to the traditional then, to wine matched with food. You've mentioned as well the affettate, the cold cuts and cheeses of the area. But tell us about some of the piatti tipici of your area and how they pair particularly well with your wines. Mm. A couple of examples of, of really traditional foods from where you are. The area is uh, very nearby to the rice cultivation in the south of Verona. So the risotto in Verona is a must, I have to say. And one particular is risotto all'amarone. That is a rice that they make uh, with uh, amarone wine. This is something we pair very easy with uh, body red wines. Not necessarily an amarone. You can pair even with repasso. Um, as uh, we have a lot of cheese in the area. It's, this is a region that produces a lot of cheeses due to the mountains. And so uh, I like to promote local farmers. During our tasting, uh, we have uh, for sure a uh, selection of cheese. Uh, and, and cheese, I like to buy something that you don't find in the supermarket. You know, it has to be exclusive for me because uh, that's, that's the nice part to be in a uh, uh, in a winery and the locals select the locals. Um, the same is for the cold cuts because there are plenty of uh, people in the mountains that also has their own uh, preparation, their own cold cuts. And and then uh, we have some uh, pasta, la carbonara is something that, <laughs> that in my family is weekly prepared. Uh, carbonara pasta and uh, uh, well here then we have some birds birds uh, um, is something typical of the local uh, kitchen it's not something uh, that you can find very easy to eat because it's so old now this dish and um, people is not used anymore but the birds uh, and uh, also this uh, escargot oh the snails mm. so, Escargot, yes, something my mother makes uh, during the year. That's not very easy to do. I personally don't cook that at home. <laughs> 
Sylvia, what, what wine would you pair with carbonara? Uh, uh, with carbonara, it is not so difficult in the area. You know what? Carbonara is a rich flavor dish that requests pepper. And so the key word here is pepper because the Corvina grape that makes the Valpolicella, but also the Bardolino, release a lot of pepper flavors. So I always tell people when you buy a product that holds Corvina grape, it's not so difficult to pair on the table. Remember that anything requests pepper is perfect with the wine. So for sure, the reds of the region are any red, it would be perfect with carbonara. And then also I would say that the Cadamagro that we mentioned before, that is so complex, uh, it would stay very well with the carbonara because uh, it might give some freshness, wash better your mouth from the cheese and also um, clean very well from the egg and the pasta. So also Cademagro. Yes, that sounds that sounds really, really good. Um, I think that our listeners will be inspired to to come and find you when they're next in Verona because uh, they can either have a traditional wine tasting or I like the idea of a blind tasting, of tasting wines without preconception. Sometimes you look at a label or you see a bottle and you think you know what the wine is going to taste like before you've even tasted it. But that is a way to really understand wines just through the sensations. Mm -hmm. So I hope our visitors will find Monte del Fra when they're next in the area. I've really enjoyed learning your story this morning, the something of the history of the area, but also your family story, how it developed from very simple origins now to an important and award-winning wine estate producing a really impressive range of wines. Sylvia, thank you so much for being my guest today. And I hope the wines from 2023 are excellent. Uh, the Passimento period goes well. And I look forward to tasting the wines in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks to you. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.